this evening to Second Chronicles chapter 7. We're going to be looking at that old familiar revival verse, verse 14. I believe that today's society has really become calloused to our own sin, to our own familiarity with it's good the way it is. You know, I've talked to people and, and just getting a sense of what is being said. You know, you, you come across people that think, well, all is all right. It doesn't matter. It's, it's going to be all right. But have we offered God the best? I, I keep hearing the prayer that Brother John brings forth here in the last week or so about how we ought to bring forth our best. What does it mean to bring forth your best? Is it just what you're willing to let go of or is it really your very best when it comes to worship, when it comes to the praise of Almighty does our very best really reach the windows of heaven? Does our very best really change the way that we are and who we are? What's it take to get revived is the title of my sermon tonight. What does it take to get revived? This is one of the most famous verses when it comes toward revival. It is spoken so often that we know it by heart, and yet, do we really know it by heart or in our hearts? Where God speaks, and this is, this is a message for all of us, from the pastor right on out the door, it's a message for all of us. Now I ask the question tonight, do we really want revival? this week, or is just the status quo good enough? The Bible says, if my people, and there is a key right there to being revived, is realizing that you're a child of the King. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now, verse 15 is a, a plus kicker here. It is, now mine eyes shall be opened and mine ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. I mean, it's a special place to be when you're where God wants you to be. Our most gracious and divine Heavenly Father, Lord, as we bow before Your throne tonight, we do so with thankful hearts, and, and yet, dear God, we do so with hearts that are maybe overwhelmed with fear, knowing that according to Thy Word in Psalm 139, You know the deepest recesses of our mind even now. You know the heart of each and every individual that makes up this body. 
You know your true children. You know the faithful. Yet, dear God, I know that you know the hidden things of our lives. And Father, for that I'm made to fear. I am made to be aware of my own failures and shortcomings. Father, if we say that we have none, we are fooling ourselves. For as Brother Jim even spoke this morning, dear God, that the revival meetings are not like they used to be. When lives were changed, when souls were saved, when men and women were not fearful of humbling themselves and repenting of sin. Father, I pray that you'll help us tonight to be what we need to be in order to be blessed beyond measure. Lord, I pray that you will open up our ears and our hearts this evening. Make us attentive, dear God, unto thy word. And we'll not forget to give you all the praise and honor and glory. Revive thy work again, O God. Forgive us our sin in Jesus Christ's name, and amen. Emmanuel, to our visiting friends, what is it going to take for us to get, I mean, real revival? What's it going to take for us to realize, number one, whose we are and who we are? The Bible says that we are children of the King. In verse 14, he says, he opens up with this very, this very uh, important verse and his very important words, if my people. He's not talking to the heathen. He's not talking to the unsaved, to the unregenerated. He's saying, if my people, you that are born again, you that are in this house tonight who is who has been saved by the grace of God, you are His children tonight. And He's making claim on you with this verse of Scripture. He's laying claim to, 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 your, to His ownership of you as His child. He says, if my people, which are called by my name, Folks, I'll tell you, one of, the, one of the very first things that's going to be, is going to be had when we have real, re, real revival is the realization that He is, He is, and we are His. The Bible states it very plainly again. He says, if my people which are called by my name. You know, you go back to the book of John chapter 15. I mentioned this this morning and. And I am passing, but I want you to look at this again in verse 11. We are talking about children of God, and that's who we are. And in order for us to really realize real revival, we need to realize that He is our Father, our Heavenly Father. In verse 11, He says, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. You want to see real heaven sent revival. Realize who you are. You are a child of the King and then your joy is going to begin to bubble over. 
It's not going to be coming to the house of God with this, with this, with this drab of, uh, uh, of insecurity about your face. There's going, to, there's going to be real joy and you're going, to, you're going to exhibit God's grace as it has been bestowed upon you. How do you exhibit that? Through your joy. Joy for being saved by the grace of God. Joy for being a child of the King. We sing those songs from time to time. I'm a child of the King. I believe that was Sister Bessie's favorite song, was it not? Or, or Pearly White City. Or I can't remember for sure, but I remember, I remember she loved that, that song, I'm a child of the King. You know what? I'll tell you what. You knew Sister Bessie before salvation. You knew her after salvation. You could tell without a shadow of a doubt that there was joy on her face. She always had a smile when she was over there in the kitchen as she was working for the young people or working in vacation Bible school. She had a joy about it. She rejoiced in the fact that she was able to help. She had joy. Folks, that's the way we ought to be. We ought to have joy just because we're saved by the grace of God. We ought to have joy upon our faces because we are saved. He says in verse 14, You are my friends, and if, if you do whatsoever I've commanded you, henceforth I, I call you not servants. For the servant knoweth not what his Lord doth, but I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. In other words, I have revealed it unto you. Child of the King. In John chapter 17, in that intercessory prayer where he was praying, this is the actual Lord's prayer. And this is the prayer that he prayed. He prayed for you and I, his children, his friends. John chapter 17, he was praying to his father and he's saying, I pray not only for those right then and there, but for those of us here and now. He's praying for them. He's praying that their joy may remain and that their joy may be full because they are children of the King. Children of the King. You know, you go back to Romans in chapter 8 for just a moment. Romans in chapter 8 and beginning at verse 14. Here's what the Bible says. Listen, you want to have real revival, you must first realize you're a child of the King. You're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And that alone ought to be enough to just overcharge your heart with joy unspeakable and full of glory. He says in verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. I've heard some commentators how they speak it. It's as if they're calling Him Daddy. That is a term of affection that we earthly, that the earthly child calls their dad. They call him daddy, and 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 commentators they'll tell you that's what that word. That's how that's how that word is related. Abba, Father. It's the most dearest sense that we can that we can grant unto him. 
It's the most, most wonderful term of endearment that we can give unto Him as Abba Father. Realize who you are. Realize who you are. You're a child of the King. You're born again. You're, you're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, in verse 17, the Bible says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. If you're going to have revival, the first thing you need to really realize is that you're a child of the King. Amen? You're blood-bought. You're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You are, you are His. You belong solely to Him tonight. The Bible says in Galatians in chapter 4 and verse 1 through 7, Now I say that the heir as long as he is a child differs nothing from the servant, though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Even so we, when we were children, we were bondage under the elements of the world, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Have a Father. There it is again. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Emmanuel, tonight, if you're going to have revival, you must know who you are and whose you are. Listen, it, it means something to realize, number one, that you're saved, but it means something to realize, secondly, that you belong to the King. You are His. That ought to be enough right there to cause joy to come into your hearts. I belong to the King. Oh, may God help us. Now, secondly... What's it going to take to get revived? Having a spirit of humility. Now this one, this seems to be one of those hard issues for most people today. A spirit of humility, humbleness. Being ready to admit wrong. Being ready to admit I've sinned. Folks, I'll tell you. You're never going to be revived until you first of all confess sin that's in your life. You say, well, I have no sin. Well, you know what the Bible says about you then. The Bible says you're a liar if you say you be without sin. So the first thing we need to realize is we ought to recognize sin that's in our lives. If we're going to be revived, we have to recognize that sin. Whatever it is that is dis dishonoring God. Whatever it is that's going to dishonor His church. Listen, I want you to think about this. Today's, today's society doesn't like to be called sinners, do they? I mean, nobody likes to be called wrong, don't like to be called out in their sin or in their wrong. And yet people walk around like they've never sinned, but yet you let it be preached on and it isn't long that tempers flare. But the Bible says we ought to humble ourselves. Is that not what 2 Chronicles 7 and 14 says? 
He says that we got to humble ourselves. What does it mean to humble yourself to be willing to recognize your own faults and failures? That's what it means. Do we have those? Sure we have them. But are we willing to admit that we have them? That's the difference. We all have them. But are we really willing to say, yes, I have mine. And I can tell you what it is. Folks, it's being willing to confess it. You never see that no more, do you? You never hear of that mentioned in most Baptist churches today, confessing our sins and our faults and our failures, confessing them, repenting. You never hear of repentance no more. Oh, if you're, if you're really, really fortunate, you'll hear somebody preach on repentance unto salvation. But what about just being repentful for our own shortcomings to God? What, what about just confessing, just being honest with ourselves and say, for I have sinned and come short of thy glory. That's what Second Chronicles 7 and 14 is all about. It reminds us that we, number one, have to humble ourselves, admit our wrong. You see, you're never going to be you're never going to be blessed until you admit that there's wrong in our lives. God is not going to revive a work that is unwilling to repent of sin in lives. Getting away from pride, that's, that's one of the greatest things that man has problems with today. Go with me, if you will, to the book of James for just a moment. James, and I want you to think about what it says here now in James chapter 4. Began reading at verse 6 and read down through verse 10. The Bible says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. You want to be blessed with the revival? Do you want to be blessed with the revival? Listen, there comes a time in our lives where we have to admit that we're not perfect. I mean, there comes a time in our lives when we have to get this narcissistic attitude out of our minds that everything we do is not right. And we have to ask God to forgive us. We have to admit that we're wrong. You see, that's what it means to confess sin. That's what it means to repent and turn. It means to admit our own, our own wrong. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. You see Sacred Chronicles there, you see it very plainly, don't you? You see what, what is being said here as I, as, I, as I think about this and you think about the words that are being brought forth here. 
If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves. Humble themselves. Humility is a sign of a contrite heart. Amen. And contrite spirit. Turn with me, if you will, to Psalm 34. Psalm in chapter 34. The Bible says in these scriptures that the Lord, if you'll look at verse 18, I could read verse verse number uh, uh, 12 all the way through 22, but I want you to think about this in verse, in verse uh, 17 and 18. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. A contrite or humbled spirit. In Psalm 51, going over there just a little bit, and here the Bible says this, in verse 17, and I'll read first of all verse 12 where the Bible says, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. You know what revival is? Finding joy again in your heart. Finding joy to, in your heart to be able to come to the house of God. Finding joy in your heart to be able to worship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what real revival does. It makes you joyful to be able to come and see your brothers and sisters. It makes you joyful to come into the house of God and worship in spirit and truth. That's what it means. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Friend, I want you to know something here tonight. That the greatest thing you'll ever get a hold of is what God says in verse 17. Now, now look at this. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. That's where pride is sacrificed on the altar of the Savior. Amen. That's where pride is, is once and for all extinguished under the hand of a mighty God. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, Thou wilt not despise. So the second thing you need to have is a, is a willingness to humble yourself before the Almighty God. Say, Lord, I've sinned. I know I have. You want to, be, you want to see something change this week in your life? Recognize the sin that does so easily set you back. Recognize the sin that slows you down in your Christian walk. Recognize that sin and ask God to forgive you and you'll find out that joy will come back into your heart. Now thirdly, I want you to look at this. In 2 Chronicles 7.14, the Bible says we need to be seeking the Lord's face. Amen. I was thrilled to death to walk in to that prayer room tonight and see 12 men in there praying. Folks, I want you to know something. I rejoice in that. Somebody said, well, we're going to have to get a bigger room or something. I said, we can put another row in there right in the front of the, the one row. 
Hey, I'll be happy to do so. If, if all the men of this body would begin to come into the prayer room, we'll make room. We'll make room. Listen, I'll, I'll, I'll get another vent. I'll get another trunk run over here to cool us down because it got hot in there. But I enjoy, I, I, I love seeing and hearing the prayers of the men of this church as they're going up for this church, for the brotherhood of this body. I rejoice in that. That's something that gets me fired up. That's something that gets a, a fire kindled under me as a pastor as I'm getting ready to preach. It's coming out of that room right there that's been filled up with 12 men who are willing to pray and ask God to bless and, and do a work in this body. Yes, I get excited. I get excited. I get I, I get. I'm gonna. I, I, I tell you, I I love, I love that. I love seeing people who are who are real about the prayers. It's not just a rehearsed prayer going forth. It is an actual prayer. God, do something in this house tonight. Save my children tonight. You know what? That's one of the greatest prayers I hear in that room. Save my children. Oh, save my children. Save my grandchildren. Save my, save my people. Save them. Bless us. Seek the face of the Lord, folks. You want to have revival this week? Seek His face. Crying to him, go before him, and he will bless you. James chapter 5, I believe it is in the middle part about verse 16, it says, The fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. What's a righteous man? It's not a perfect man. I don't believe that's what the Bible's saying there. You don't find out a perfect man because you're not going to find him. But it's a righteous man, one who knows where his blessings come from. You seek that man out and you pray and you, and you ask God to bless. You want to see salvation come tonight? Listen, let's start praying. Let's pray for these young people, these young couples, these young adults. Pray that God will do a miracle. It could happen right here. Emmanuel. It could happen right here tonight. Let's pray. God, do a work in this body. But the last thing is one of those things, and I've kind of touched on it already, but it's one of those things that you never hear of, and that's that repenting of sin thing. I come back to that tonight for this one reason, because I know that's the one thing you never hear happening in Baptist churches anymore. God's people repent, true repentance. Repenting for their own failures, their own hard heartaches. You know, last year, when your pastor come before this body and repent, you never see that no more. There was a time when men of God used to do that all, all the time. 
But there was also a time when the lay people would also ask God, forgive me, for I have sinned. I'm not perfect. That's one thing that we all can really see very plainly. There's none of us that have arrived yet. There's sin in our lives. And if it's not dealt with, you need to deal with it. If you've not done the right thing by God and you've not repented to Him, listen, you're still carrying that baggage on your back and it's still weighing you down, isn't it? It's still dragging at your feet and here we are supposed to be running a race and we've got so much baggage we're not willing to get rid of. You're never going to win like that. You're never going to win. We need to repent of sin. In other words, we need to turn from our wicked ways. I said, well, I'm not wicked. Sin in the eyes of God is wickedness, period. It doesn't matter whether it's a little white lie or it's the greatest murder case that ever, ever, ever existed. It's sin in the eyes of God. He says, you want a revival? You want revival? You realize that you belong to me. You realize that you're my child. You realize that you need to humble yourself because I am, I am. You realize you need to come to me with a contrite or broken heart. You want revival? It's going to cost you. You want revival? It's going to, it's going to, it's going to cost a little extra on you this time. You see, we have revival meetings all the time, but do they really? Are they really revival meetings? Have we really been seeking the face of God in this? Saying, Lord, reveal unto me my sin that I may ask thy forgiveness. Have we really seek God's face and saying, Father, revive Thy works, as Habakkuk says, in the midst of the years. In other words, right now, right now, and here. Here at Emmanuel, revive us in the midst of the years. Results do matter, folks. I've heard, I've heard it said time and again, oh, it doesn't matter. You don't matter. Listen, results matter because results says what's happened in the heart. Results makes a difference of what happens right here. It'll be told a week from next Sunday, two weeks down the road, a month down the road, four months down the road. It'll tell whether this homecoming meeting was different or not. There ain't no denying it. It's wide open. We're, we're an open book. Not only to ourselves, but we're an open book to God and to this community around us. May God help us. May God grant revival to the Emmanuel Baptist Church. Let's all stand, please.